So that tells me that the, the skilled labor shortage is a symptom of, of another problem. If we throw more people at it, that's why John Morris said, if you hire lots of people, it's not going to solve your problem because your problem is what's causing, there's some problem that's causing your people to leave. Hello, innovators. I'm Todd Wyant, and welcome to the Bridging the Gap podcast sponsored by Applied Software. You're invited to join our MEP and construction innovation adventure with a mission to propel this great industry forward. My guest today is also on a mission to help turn your construction business into a well-oiled, profitable machine that works for you. Todd DeWalt hosts the Construction Leading Edge podcast as well. Welcome to the show, Todd. Thanks, Todd. It's always a pleasure to talk to another fellow Todd on a podcast. Uh, yeah, likewise. Uh, you're my, my first other Todd guest. You know, I don't come across too many Todds too often. So welcome. It's exciting. Well, I, I have yet to find a Todd who's not a good guy. So let's just don't screw that up for me. And I'll try not to screw it up for <laughs> no you. No pressure. Got it. <laughs> I'll try to live up to it. Uh, so, you know, you say that you promote uh, that that you help construction companies kind of eliminate chaos to maximize profits. How do you go about this? Systems, in a word, putting systems in place. And nice. chaos is a result or a symptom of a deficiency in symptom of, of systems, typically. Mm-hmm. So just getting people to think in a systematic way and put systems in place and stop, let's stop dealing with this, the consequences and the symptoms and the chaos and let's go find out what the root cause is and then prevent that chaos from happening again with good systems. Gotcha. So what do you think is the biggest chaos in the industry that people aren't thinking about right now? Biggest chaos that people aren't thinking about right now uh, well, there's several. I, I think we're going to get into the skilled labor shortage. Um, and I, I would say that one area of chaos, one of, the, one of the more less understood symptoms of chaos is turnover. Hmm. So what's interesting right now is here we are in September 2020 after six months of COVID shutdown, there are, uh, I have clients who are able to pick up really high quality, talented people. I'm talking about superintendents, electricians, project managers. They're able to pick those folks up. They're leaving big businesses to go to work for small businesses because of Mm -hmm. chaos. People Mm -hmm. just it's not about a paycheck. It, the paycheck doesn't matter that much if there's just constant chaos and stress. And if people are having a bad experience, they're going to be more prone to look at Indeed or look at job postings or pick up the phone when a headhunter calls. And it's, uh, it's a big deal. It's, if, you cha- if you were to trace the high turnover we're having, a lot of it goes back to chaos in the business. People just, Mm -hmm. they get tired of constant, um, just constant chaos. It's, it's stressful. They don't like to do work twice and they're just having a bad experience. So that's, that's one of them. I would say another one is leadership. 
just the lack of good leadership. It's, we deal with a lot of symptoms that can be traced back to poor leadership. And it's, it's really simple to fix. Just lead people well. Stop being a micromanager. Stop being an auditor. Just, just lead people. And I think those two probably tie together. Mm-hmm. I, I see a lot of chaos where leadership is lacking. But if you find a business that's, that's running well and running smoothly and they have low turnover and low chaos, then you'll probably find good leadership there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. The culture element is, is huge. And I think all too often goes uh, overlooked Absolutely. in the construction industry. Um, Absolutely. For sure. So you have a, a little bit of a contrarian opinion that I'd like to dive into. Uh, you, you said that there is not a skilled labor shortage. Instead, it's a skilled labor delusion. I'd love yeah. for you to kind of unpack that. What do you mean by that? Yeah, we're, I, I interviewed um, a guy named John Morris, who is the president of a, a chapter of the Associated Builders and Contractors in okay. Ohio. And he said that he tells his contractors in his organization, look, you could hire, if you hire 10 people tomorrow, if you fill every vacant position that you've been trying to fill and you're complaining about the lack of skilled labor, it's not going to solve your problems and it could put you out of business. Now that gets a lot of people's attention. They're like, what do you mean? I, all I need are more people. All I need are bodies. I just need, I need people. And the reality is, the, the skilled labor shortage isn't, isn't just a problem. Some people would think, man, the biggest problem we have is the lack of good people. And millennials or pe- millennials who don't want to work or um, people who are retiring out or whatever, the, the biggest problem we face is a shortage of people. Mm-hmm. And that you, you can look up articles, skilled labor shortage, and people will say the biggest problem facing the construction industry is the skilled labor shortage. I would say the skilled labor shortage is a symptom of a problem. It's not the problem. It is a symptom of the problem. And Mm -hmm. the reason I say that is if you look at, if you do what I did, actually look at the numbers and look at the National Bureau of Labor Statistics, you'll see that the construction industry has one of the highest separation rates of any industry. It's like somewhere between somewhere north of 60%. All right. Mm -hmm. So that means on average six out of every 10 construction workers changes jobs every year. Wow. Whether they get fired, laid off, leave voluntarily, six out of 10 separate from their employer in a 12 month period. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the worst. It's worse than retail. It's worse than manufacturing. Food service might be a little bit higher, but so that's alarming statistic. Number one is 60% of our employees are changing jobs every year. Alarming statistic. Number two is that number has been growing. That separation rate is increasing for the last several years. So think about this. The economy's up until March of 2020, 
the economy was booming, the housing market was great, commercial was great, everything in the construction industry, not everything, but the construction industry was strong. Mm-hmm. So those, those numbers don't correlate. Everything's great. This, the industry is, is strong. It's booming. There's huge demand but the, for people, but the separation rate is increasing. Like, what's that about? That doesn't make sense. So that tells me that the, the skilled labor shortage is a symptom of, of another problem. If we throw more people at it, that's why John Morris said, if you hire lots of people, it's not going to solve your problem because your problem is what's causing, there's some problem that's causing your people to leave. Mm-hmm. So there's a, the, the, the short of it, the, the short answer is, it is we have deficiencies that need to be solved. And it's not a deficiency in people. It's a deficiency in leadership that needs to be solved. We need to prov- provide better environments, better cultures for our people to work in. And we need to have systems in place. So we need to solve the turnover problem if we want to solve our skilled labor crisis. So that's why I call it a delusion. If we think that all we need to do is hire 100,000 people and fill, I don't remember what the number is, but it's, there's six figures of empty positions in the construction industry. And people would say, man, if we could just find 100,000 people, then all of our problems would be solved. And the reality is, no, it's not. Because 60% of them will cycle through and they'll change jobs. And they'll either leave the industry or they'll have to get retrained and somebody's going to have to pay. The productivity's bad. And it's, if we really want to solve our problems, we need to stop looking out there to the people who aren't in the construction industry and start looking in the house. Let's look at the 7 million or so people who work in construction today and let's get them engaged. Let's lead them well. Let's make sure they stay. Let's yeah. solve our turnover problem. And I don't think we would have to find nearly as many people, if any, as, uh, as compared to what we think we need to find now. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software. With solutions for the modern project, Applied Software is on a mission to transform industries by empowering clients and championing innovation with real-world expert consultants. Their comprehensive array of solutions for AEC, MEP, and manufacturing has a singular focus, helping you achieve higher performance. With software, training, support, consulting, and custom development, Applied Software has you covered. Visit asti.com and let them know we sent you. Interesting. So what do you think kind of led to this kind of crisis in culture and leadership within the construction industry? Oh, wow. That's, I don't, I don't know. That, that's a big question. Um, and it really depends on the company. I think there are so many, there are so many mindsets. I'll throw out a couple. This is, this is my a few hypotheses and just my theories based on 20 or so years in the industry. A lot of contractors are just based on um, projects, project-based. Mm-hmm. We exist to build projects and we use people as part of the how, right? 
Sure. So if you're familiar with the, the Simon Sinek, the golden circle, start with why he says most every business knows what they do. Some know how they do it. Some have some secret sauce on how they do it. But Simon Sinek said very few contra or very few companies know why they do it. So his mm -hmm. advice was start with why, why are you doing what you do that will inform how you do it and then you'll get better at what you do. And most contractors see people as part of the how. We build projects and we use people to build projects. Mm -hmm. They pour concrete, they tie rebar, they finish drywall, they pull wire, they paint. We, they are how we do what we do. And there are companies, the companies right now that that are not complaining about a skilled labor shortage and the ones who are picking up really high quality talent are the ones who put their people in the why category. Like we exist to take care of our people. Mm -hmm. What that looks like in real life is um, I heard an inter interview with a former CEO of Home Depot and he said, our purpose is to generate wealth for our associates, not for our shareholders or our executive team, Home Depot's purpose is, at least according to this CEO, was we exist to generate wealth for our associates. So mm -hmm. think about how that, how does that affect the way you interact with employees? It's, it becomes the why. We do all of this. Why are we doing all this? To generate wealth for our associates. So we build projects so that we can build people. Mm -hmm. And those companies, they're not talking about a skilled labor shortage because right. they don't have one. They're actually picking off and capitalizing on all the people who are complaining about the skilled labor shortage because they're just looking at things completely differently. Yeah, it flips the, the whole paradigm on its head for sure there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what are some kind of low-hanging fruits then for companies to start kind of moving the ship in a healthier culture and leadership direction. Talk to your people. Just, I had a, a client of mine who owns an electrical contracting business in Tennessee. And um, he, he said that he had a conversation with some of his folks one day and he said, his employee said, you know, it would be nice if you just said hi to us in the morning when you walk <laughs> in the door. And Joel was like, I, you know, I, it never occurred to me. I'm just so heads down first thing in the morning, I'm walking through the office, 18 things on my mind, yeah. all these things to do. And his employee was like, you know, it'd be nice if you just said hi, talk to us a little bit. Didn't just like grunt as you walked by or ignore us. So, like you talk about low hanging fruit, just talk to your people, maybe say, thank you. Yeah. Maybe catch them doing something right. Mm -hmm. When people, when I work with contractors and they say, they come to me and say, I, I want to put a, I need a discipline program to put in place because I I'm tired of low performance. I need a discipline program. I'm like, you got it all wrong. All right. If you feel like you need to discipline adults, then you're already, you've already lost. 
So right. if you if you want to change behavior, you need to take a cue from the book How to Win Friends and Influence People, which is based on well-understood psychology that says the only type of reinforcement that works is positive reinforcement. So instead of focusing all of your energy on disciplining or correcting what you don't want, instead of being an auditor for the bad, go catch people doing the right thing mm -hmm. and just say, that was great. I love the way you did that. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for picking that up. That was great. That's exactly what, what we need. Mm -hmm. Just some basic, super basic, low hanging fruit. It doesn't take, you don't need corporate policies. You actually don't even need complicated incentive compensation plans. People want to be appreciated. They want to be valued. They want to know that they're doing a good job, that they're doing something worthwhile, and they're part of something bigger than themselves. If you can do that, it doesn't matter if you're making any sort of widget. I ran a company that did, we cleaned sewer lines, okay? We had guys working in human waste and they loved it, not because of the work, but because of the environment, the, the culture that they were in, they were part of a team yeah. and they were clear on why they were doing it. So that, those are just a few really super basic things you can do to get started. Nice. Now I say that you have to know the, the person behind the employee. And what I mean by that is, is take time to, to really get to know who they are outside of work. Because yeah. you, if you, if you know who they are, then you know what is going to make them tick and, and what they, what they need to really succeed. And it's going to show them that you actually, you care about them and that you're interested in them. And so then if you need to have a hard conversation with them, they're going to be more open to, to really hearing that and absorbing that information in a healthy way because they know that you care. It's the whole, you know, show them you care first. Uh, mentality. And, you know, I, I really do. I, I think that that's really important to, to know people outside of what they do in their, their nine to five day job. Uh, you know, and you know, some people would push back and be like, Oh, well, this is work. You don't need to know. Well, I don't think that's true. I think you have to know who the person is. Holistically. It, depends. it goes back to why do you think your business exists? Mm -hmm. Sure. Do you think it's, are the people part, do the people live only in the how or are they part of the why? And if they only live in the how, then they're just a resource. They're like a piece of equipment. They're an asset. They're human capital. Mm -hmm. It's what I've actually heard people refer to as human capital. I'm like, yeah, wow. Hey mom, I just started a new job and I'm human capital. <laughs> I'm so excited to be like currency. And uh, I've got a, an eight digit string of numbers on a spreadsheet assigned to me. They Everybody's really dream right there. <laughs> and I'm, I'm excited to be human capital. No, they, it really starts with why. Why are you in business? And why are you doing what you're doing? You know, the, the stuff we build and the work we do, it, it doesn't matter nearly as much as the people the relationships, that's really all we're going to have when, you know, when I'm laying in my deathbed, when I'm 127 years old, which is my goal, none go. of those projects that I built 
none of those buildings are going to come see me. Nobody's, they're not going to think about me, but the relationships that I developed while building those things and the people that I impacted, that's all that's really going to matter at the end of this thing. Mm -hmm. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Applied Software's Live Lab Learning, a virtual classroom experience where students can listen, interact, and learn from veteran real-world application specialists in real time from anywhere in the world. LiveLab is the affordable, convenient way for your staff to take Autodesk certified training courses and even earn some AIA continuing education credits all from the comfort of your own office. Visit ASTI.com for more information and let them know we sent you. Uh, so there are companies that are, are doing this well and that have really great culture in the construction industry, uh, but they don't, uh, they don't market themselves very uh, well in the sense that they're not telling these stories uh, in mass to really kind of move the perception of the construction industry in any mm -hmm. significant way. A, you know, why, why do you think that, that as a whole, the construction industry isn't really that good at telling compelling stories of the cool tech or the innovations or the, the good culture that's happening? Um, and then B, how can we start moving in a direction that is attractive to more people? Why don't we do that? We are not primarily marketers and we probably undervalue marketing in the mm -hmm. construction industry. When we think about marketing, it's just like, okay, you just, we'll tell you when we want you to put together a, a slide deck for a mm -hmm. presentation or something like that. And it's, there's also a, a, a paradigm that it's all about the project and it's all about the end result. So that's what we talk about. If you look at LinkedIn, people are primarily, people in the construction industry are primarily talking about their projects. Mm. Look at our gold, our gold spray painted shovels. We're doing this groundbreaking project or look, we have the, the governor who showed up to do a ribbon cutting and look at the cool finished product of, of the project, the, the, the nuts and bolts, because that's what we're focused on. The, the what, what are we mm. building? Um, so I think there's a systemic bias away from people and stories hmm. um, in the construction industry. Now, what can we do to fix it? Well, I think another part is a lot of construction business owners, they don't want to, they don't want to be in front of the camera. They're like, eh, I, I'm insecure about that. I don't know what to say. It's really all about the project. Mm -hmm. It's about the finished. I, there's just all these reasons that they, they justify staying behind the camera instead of getting in front of it. And the reality is what, what people want is they want human interaction. So how can you get started? Well, I, I've worked with several people who are terrified of the thought of holding their camera, their phone in front of them and recording a video and putting it on social media. Just, mm -hmm. they would rather, they would rather do anything. Yep. They would rather go skydiving probably. It's like the worst thing they could possibly imagine. And they'll find every reason possible. So my advice is if you want to get started, if you want to use social media, you want to solve several problems at once. My advice is 
catch your people doing something right and brag on them on social media. Hmm. So if you're not sure what to do and you are scared to death to have your face on the camera talking, then talk about your, your employees. Right? Yeah. So that's, that's number one. So catch somebody doing something right, make a post about it, what they did, put their picture on there, tag them while you're at it, give them a, gift card, give them a t-shirt, give them a hat, some sort of recognition. And think about what that does, right? So Mm -hmm. if you just did that once a week, you caught somebody doing something right in the company, you posted it, gave them the equivalent of a digital gold star, right? Mm -hmm. Then think about the impact it has on that employee. How do they feel about that? Pretty good. (laughs) Who doesn't? Who doesn't like recognition for something they did right? Their family sees it, their friends see it, their buddies jump in and either give them a bunch of crap about it or, or they congratulate them. Feels good, right? We are hardwired. It feels good when somebody recognizes us. Next, think about the message that sends to people who are potential future employees. What does that say about your culture to people who don't work for you yet? Mm -hmm. They think, huh, I've never seen an employer say good things about one of us. I've never seen my employers say good things about one of us, much less publicly. I kind of like the way that feels. I'd like to get in on some of that. Mm -hmm. So if they see this consistently, then when they're looking for an opportunity, there's a pretty good chance that they'll think of you first. And then this also has an impact on your potential customers. So if your customer is doing some due diligence, they check out your social media page and they see this Jose went the extra mile and Bruce got an award for this and this project went well and they crushed it. And this, this, we have raving fans out of our customers. The customers start to see faces names, happy customers. They see that, oh, this is a real company. They take good care of their people. They're probably going to take good care of me too. So Mm -hmm. if you're not sure what to do, my advice is just start posting some recognition of your employees. And Mm -hmm. if you don't have employees, find somebody to brag on, somebody you work with, interior designer, an architect, a real estate agent, um, I don't rec- I don't recommend, I don't know that anybody's going to brag on their lawyer necessarily. Just, it's my opinion. But if you have a really good attorney friend and you feel the need to brag on them, then go ahead. But find a subcontractor, promote them, recognize their work. And it's, it's, it's a great way to get you started. It's a, it's a good gateway drug to posting on social media. Yeah, no, I think that that's uh Great point for sure. Uh, you know, one of the things I, I love seeing come across on LinkedIn is the kudos and the thank you posts mm-hmm. of recognition. And I'm always amazed at how much interaction those posts really get from people and people will latch on to, you know, congratulate them and, you know, then give their own praise about that person as well too. And so that's it kind of goes viral pretty quickly because people, you're really excited to compliment the other people, which is awesome to see for sure. 
yeah, it's, it's a great way to do it. And it has nothing to do with you. So if there's this pride or this insecurity about yourself or this imposter syndrome that comes up, then this just goes around all of that and it mm -hmm. avoids all of that pride and insecurity because you're talking about somebody else and it is, it's a win, win, win. Yeah. The Bridging the Gap podcast is brought to you by Evolve MEP. MEP construction software for Revit. Evolve's MEP software for Revit makes project collaboration fast, simple, and more productive, which in turn significantly reduces project risk and cost. Born from the reality of a lack of available skilled labor in the industry, Evolve MEP has transformed the MEP detailer workflow. It's time for MEP to harness the Revit platform to offer seamless collaboration like no other software before it. Visit EvolveMEP.com and let them know we sent you. That's great. Uh, so a slight pivot here. How should companies go about embracing disruption? You know, over the, the last six months, uh, the construction industry, the world uh, has been full of, of disruptions and, and having to adapt on your feet. Uh, what are some, some good kind of tips to embracing that and not letting it kind of run you over? Well, number one, um, one of the things I like to talk about when it comes to disruption is um, in 18, I want to say 1894, there was a tremendous disruption that the experts of the day thought would, that actually threatened um, the civilized world as, as they understood it. There was a 10-day conference held to, to deal with this 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 disruption, this problem that, that threatened civilization. They got three days into it and said, we give up. It's too big of a problem. There's nothing we can do. We're just, I guess civilization is screwed, especially urban civilization. And the problem was horse manure. So if you want, you can look up the great horse manure crisis of 1894. And um, all of the, the experts extrapolated and said by the, in the next 10 years from that point, the streets of London would be um, eight feet thick in horse manure and millions of people would die and the sun would turn black and all of these terrible things. Yeah. They just extrapolated out as things would, assuming things would continue. And I've, been in a few urban areas recently and I haven't seen any horse manure. Um, I assume you don't have much of that in Atlanta oh, and it's because all over the place now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of, uh, metaphorical horse manure. <laughs> that's but on, especially on social media, but that's, that's a topic for a, a different Todd talk. That's that, right. Uh, we can discuss later on, but, um, Obviously, the, the automobile was invented and crisis averted. So first of all, when we're looking at bad things happening, we have to understand that things will not stay the way they are. Mm -hmm. There's technology. There are innovators that will look at this and say, you know what, there's a better way. So if we do straight line extrapolation, then we're going to be wrong. Historically, the prophets of doom who just do straight line extrapolation are wrong because we don't know what's going to happen. 
things things will change. Innovators will come along, and one of the ways to to do this is to look at disruption as an opportunity. So back in March, when everybody was afraid of COVID nineteen and and talking about um, how do we just shut our business down, I was saying let's look for the opportunity here. What's the opportunity? And some people said, what do you mean opportunity? This is terrible. How will we ever recover from this? Well, even in the 2008 crisis, there were opportunities. There were people who solved big problems. And there were actually some pretty interesting solutions that were developed during that so-called crisis. So let's look at opportunities. And what that looks like, think about the opportunities that came out of COVID-19 um, if you were in the face mask industry, things probably went pretty well. If you were in the plexiglass industry, there were millions of square feet of plexiglass manufactured and installed all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, people were suddenly, let's say if, if you were a remodeling contractor doing residential work and you were scared of what you were going to do, um, I would say, let's think about what your, your potential clients are dealing with now. What are the new problems that they're suddenly dealing with that you may be able to help them with? So, for example, suddenly people were trying to work from home. They had all of their kids at home, too, and all of the bars and restaurants were closed. And they still wanted to smoke cigars and drink expensive bourbon, but their bar was closed. And... What were they going to do? So they had these, all of these new problems and nobody had come along and said, Hey, here's the solution for your problem. So in that case, the opportunity was let's send out some, some let's market to our people and, and let's stop sending them the, the ridiculous boilerplate. This is how we're responding to COVID and we're washing our hands and that kind of stuff that the sending out the same noise that everybody else was sending and let's say, hey, you're stuck at home. Your kids are driving you crazy. Have you been thinking about what's going to happen since if your gym doesn't open back up for the next six months? What about a home gym? What about converting a bedroom or your garage into a home gym? There's a huge opportunity. Have you mm -hmm. thought about outdoor living space? Since restaurants and bars are closed down, how can we help you solve this problem? So mm -hmm. let's look for the opportunities. Look for the seeds of opportunity in crisis. So whatever bad is going on, there are always seeds of opportunity. It's just a matter of, are you going to look at it from a scarcity mentality and just go with everybody else talking about how bad it is? Or are you going to look at it from an abundance standpoint and think, let's go, let's go look for some problems, some new problems that we can solve in a new way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's all about perspective there for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so on that uh, similar front, what does innovation mean to you? What does innovation mean to me? Wow. Um, I think innovation means being able to, to put on a, a, a new different pair of glasses and look at things. Let's, let's, filter out all of the noise and let's let's not contaminate the way we look at something with 
what everybody else is saying about it. And let's, let's just look at it as if, you know what, we're going to survive this and there's an opportunity here somewhere. How can we make this better? Mm -hmm. I heard something interesting. I read it somewhere. There was a study that was done and they studied the habits and routines and they were trying to find some, um, some trends among innovators. These were entrepreneurs, technology, business, people who were considered to be innovative. And one of the questions on a survey was what internet um, browser do you use? And they found a, a, one of the trends was that the vast majority of people who were considered to be innovative used something other than what their machine came standard with. Hmm. So they used Firefox or something else, some, something not standard. And on the surface, that doesn't seem to make much difference. But what it showed was that the innovators got their computer and they thought or they questioned, I wonder if there's a better way. Let's not just use Internet Explorer or um, Safari, whatever came standard. I wonder if there's a better browser out there. So there, one of the things about innovation is to constantly, to answer your question, what, what does innovation look like? It, it's constantly asking, is there a better way? Or what is a better way? Mm -hmm. there, there will always be a better way. So constantly asking, what's, what's a better way for, for dealing with this? Maybe it's not a problem yet, but what's a better way to do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, some critical thinking and even some self-reflection thrown in there as well. Yeah, definitely. Nice. Uh, well, tell us more about your, your podcast, Construction Leading Edge, and, and how do people get in touch with you? Sure. The Construction Leading Edge podcast um, will give you interviews with construction business owners. So there are currently 170 plus episodes out there nice. with interviews of construction business owners from people like guy named Tori Hawkins, who started a commercial construction business in 2008 in Houston, right? Not a traditional, not what one would ideally, not what one would think would be a great time to start a construction business. Yeah. But uh, he was successful. And he talked about burning the ships. Um, interviews with CEO, the CEO of Batson Cook, one of the largest general contractors in the Southeast. They're in Atlanta. I think they have mm -hmm. a big presence in Atlanta. His name yep. is Randy Hall. Um, so if you like podcast, if you like Tim Ferriss, if you like the Tim Ferriss podcast, and you, you're thinking, I would like to hear interviews with construction business owners and people specific to the construction industry and find out how they think, then it's going to be a lot like that. If you like the Entree Leadership Podcast with um, Dave Ramsey, it's going to be a lot like that. And I'll tell you why. It's because I listened to Dave Ramsey's podcast and I listened to Tim Ferriss's podcast and said, I love this. I wish there was something for the construction industry like that. So that's what I did. Yeah. So lots nice. of interviews with owners, executives, um, industry experts. I talk about a lot of stuff myself, things that I've learned that I want to share. So if you are a construction business owner, 
or a leader, or you are, you want to be into one of those positions, then it's a great way to, to find out how the innovators and some of the people who are passionate about leadership in the construction industry think and how they got to where they are today. And it's the construction leading edge podcast. It's on just about every podcast player out there. Apple podcast, Stitcher, YouTube, lots of other podcast players. Just search for, if you search for construction on a podcast player, the construction leading edge podcast will probably pop up. Nice. And you do a great job with it. I, I always enjoy listening to your episodes for sure. I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, cool. Well, thanks so much for, for taking the time and joining the show, Todd. It's my pleasure. It's always fun. Yeah. And thank you to those listening. If you are interested in learning more, you can visit our sponsors, Applied Software at ASTI.com for more information. You can listen anytime to this podcast by simply going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out our website, bridgingthegappod.com. Until next time, I'm Todd Wyant. Thank you for joining us on the Bridging the Gap podcast. Keep innovating. Thanks for listening to the Bridging the Gap podcast. Enjoyed the episode? Leave us a rating or review while sharing with your friends and coworkers. I'd love to hear from you. Send me a LinkedIn request or follow our LinkedIn page and let me know if there's a topic you'd like to hear. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. Bridging the Gap is directed by Todd Wyan, edited and produced by Eric Daniel. Bridging the Gap is an applied software production. Copyright Applied Software 2020.